Hello, Virginia Heffernan here. What you're about to hear is a teaser for today's episode of Trumpcast, which is available in full for Slate Plus members only. See how tempted you are now to sign up for Slate Plus? We've made one in four episodes exclusive to Slate Plus members because they help support the work we do on Trumpcast and help fund other Slate podcasts like Slow Burn and Charged. To sign up and hear this episode and every episode of Trumpcast in full, please visit slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. It's only $35 for the first year. That is Zlotty's a day. And you'll get other benefits like ad-free podcasts and discounted tickets to live Slate events. So sign up now at slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. And thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. This is all my fault. I am sick. I promise I don't have tuberculosis. Not only am I sick, but I spent the morning listening to the awesome podcast Dolly Parton's World about how Dolly Parton is this bipartisan figure or this sort of universal solvent for human emotions, beloved of right wing and left wing people alike. And the podcast was so moving to me that I started to think there might one day be some reconciliation in this country. Anyway, so late tending to my lungs and listening to this podcast that I don't have a whole lot of time to do an introduction, but I'll let that suffice because it's a great show today with Andrew Morantz, who we've had on the show once before, before his book came out called Anti-Social, Online Extremists, Techno-Utopians, and the Hijacking of the American Conversation. He was on the show before talking about disruption by neo-Nazis and other far-right groups online. He's a writer for The New Yorker and had written a lot for The New Yorker about this. Since then, he's published this book, which consolidates his reporting. He was actually willing to go talk to the Mike Cernoviches and worse who have created the catastrophe that is contemporary Facebook and also really gotten in our heads and moved the conversation, moved the Overton window way, way, way far to the right. I'm really looking forward to you all listening to this, and I'm welcoming him right now to the studio. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me here in Brooklyn. Thank you. Great to be here. It's good to be in the room because I can see how much your glasses bear resemblance to Roger Stone's glasses. Oh, you think Roger Stone's? Mm. I was going for Harry Potter. (laughs) I mean, he doesn't want to look like Roger Stone. (laughs) Thank you. We're off to a good start. Remember, you're supposed to flatter the host at the top. Oh, my bad, my bad. So I want to go back to a year. I'm just going to pull it out of a hat. 2016. Mm -hmm. Nine days after the 2016 election, you know what I'm going to say. Mark Zuckerberg even though we all knew by then that fake news, real fake news, not, you know, the New York Times. Well, and it hadn't been warped yet. The the phrase hadn't been ruined yet. It just meant ludicrous falsehoods, like boy trapped in refrigerator eats own foot kind of stuff from the old Inquirer, Pizzagate, Hillary Satan, that kind of thing. So we all knew that that had influenced the election, or at least that that had played itself out in such big, so splashily on Facebook that even people I knew said, doesn't Hillary have tuberculosis? You know, things like that. Right. Um, Mark Zuckerberg, though, was had in, was insisting nine days after the election that it was a pretty crazy idea to say fake news. That's a direct quote. That's a direct quote. Pretty crazy idea. But I remember something else from that mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. that people don't talk about much. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're going to have a good response to it, an interesting response. He also said, I think, he said, I think, those are his words, people vote on their lived experience. Right. Okay, you and I spend a lot of time, we just were talking about it, about the difference between word and flesh, word and deed, word and lived experience. So maybe we can understand speech and digitization more if we understand this 
really mysterious thing called lived experience. What is lived experience yeah. in our time? I, I, too, was struck by that. And I think there were a few layers to it. One, I think, I think part of why he was saying the phrase lived experience is because it sounded kind of vaguely woke to him to mm. say that phrase because okay. it's something that slightly SJW affiliated people say in my lived experience mm. X, Y, and Z. So I think mm-hmm. it was sort of just a superficial sop to the kind of more socially minded among us. Yeah. Even though in practice it was kind of effectively doing the opposite. Right. I don't know if you and I will entirely agree on this, but I, I don't see much of a boundary at all between lived experience, quote unquote, and what we do say and think online. There are layers in which, you know, yes, of course, different kinds of speech act on us differently and visual things and spoken things and auditory things all kind of play different roles in our brain. Mm -hmm. But when we get to the level of generality, what we're talking about, because the sense in which he meant it was voters make choices based on their lived experience. Therefore, they don't make choices based on what they see, read, learn, remember from their online experience. I don't see any way that that could possibly be true. I think, A, he was trying to let himself off the hook, and B, he was trying to say, well, you know, if you are a small business owner in Wisconsin, what you care about is material conditions. You care about trade policy. You don't care about some thing you saw on Facebook. But the whole experience of the run-up to the 2016 election taught us the exact opposite lesson. Mm -hmm. It taught us that, as Andrew Breitbart famously said, politics is downstream from culture. And what that meant in the case of the 2016 election is some dude who is a huckster and a celebrity and famous for being famous and also famous for lying and famous for swindling and going bankrupt can have this huge built-in advantage, not only because he's a celebrity and has name recognition, but also because he is a master at the information flows that occur both in TV, in print, and now online. And so when you see snippets of things, you know, half-remembered images, you know, banner ads that you didn't even click on but that lodged in your brain somewhere, Mm -hmm. echoes of an episode of The Apprentice that you caught over your mother's shoulder when you went home for Thanksgiving that you weren't really watching. Yeah. Those are all information just as much as opening the newspaper and seeing a presidential endorsement is information. Mm -hmm. And we all had this, I mean, Zuckerberg had a particular uh, interest financially and personally in seeing it a certain way, but the more traditional among us had these kind of blinders on where we said, well, not all information is created equal. There's some information that matters in a kind of, you know, presidential election sense. You know, there are televised debates, there are TV ads, there are there is the political press, there are things that are supposed to matter. And then all those other scraps of garbage floating around, those don't matter. And mm-hmm. what we really meant by saying that it was more of an aspirational statement than a statement of fact. We were aspiring to live in a world where those things mattered less and where things that were more considered and more thoughtful mattered more. But that has never really been the world that we actually live in. So you imagine that we were taking in things from Facebook. Even, as I say, people I knew saw an edited version of Hillary coughing and mm-hmm. concluded that she had tuberculosis. Those were actually not no deep fakes. She was actually coughing yes, at different because times. because human beings cough. So I was seeing that stuff like everybody. And I had a slightly different view on this because I was actually making bets with friends that Trump was going to win because of, you know, I'm not as much of a media savant as Andrew Breitbart was. You know, Andrew Breitbart was at Matt Drudge's right hand when he started the Drudge Report and also at Ariana Huffington's right hand when she started the Huffington Post. I mean, he truly saw this stuff a mile ahead. I can't see that far ahead, but I did have this sort of inchoate sense that, as I was just saying, we have too much faith in the kind of general order of things. And we have this too much of a tacit faith Mm -hmm. that the marketplace of ideas will naturally settle and naturally sort things out. I did not believe that to be the case. And therefore, I felt that there was a moment after Trump came down that escalator 
when we could have collectively as a country laughed him out of the room. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. And then as soon as that didn't happen, I said, we might be in serious trouble. Yeah. So on some basic level, once you pass the smell test with enough people, you're in the ring. And then once you're in the ring, all bets are off. Yeah. Once that had happened, I was on higher alert. And so when I was seeing things, everybody who was curious about this stuff would go into you know, the Facebook search bar, which wasn't even a thing I really thought about, the Facebook oh, yeah. search bar. Yeah, me neither. But it is a thing. And in fact, if you live in one of the several countries of the world where Facebook is basically interchangeable with the internet, in Myanmar or a place like that, when you want to search for something... And by the way, in so many places... In many parts of this country... Even when you have a conversation with people, just like, let's talk about the internet, it almost always goes to Facebook. Totally. Not Certainly not GPS technology or 5G or whatever. Right, right, right. So let's keep talking about the internet, i.e. Facebook. Being Facebook. Well, and, yeah. the, and the reason I think it's worthwhile to focus on that is that, yes, there is an internet of things, there is an internet of you know maps and GPS. Those things have a lot of influence on our daily lives, but they have less influence on presidential elections and yeah. the way we understand the yes. world. The reason that I do sometimes fall into that habit of using the internet and social media interchangeably is that the thing I'm focused on is how is this affecting our individual psyches and our collective psyche? How is this affecting our ability to see through the world and understand our way through it? Yes. That is social media and search and other things. I was worried that the things that we might sort of think should happen or might be expected to happen, that none of those expectations really mattered because what matters is what in fact happens. And it doesn't really matter. You know, there was this whole sort of traditional field of political science uh, that sort of culminated in this book, The Party Decides, that famously said, you know, what what really matters is this invisible primary that happens before the actual primary, where Hmm. the parties get together and through this sort of, you know, emergent group process decide, okay, there is one kind of anointed candidate who has the most donations, the most endorsements, the most party affiliations. That person is George W. Bush or, or Jeb Bush. That person is effectively guaranteed the nomination. Yeah. And because the party has decided, that has been discredited by history, essentially. And, and you know, there was a lot. It's not that everything in that book was wrong. It's just that it was not as ironclad as yeah. they would have us believe. Once that all goes out the window, there, there, there seemed to be this an- another kind of invisible primary happening on social media Mm, mm -hmm. because the party was losing power and in its place i mean a huge amount of what happens on social media is it just creates power vacuums and democratizes things so that anybody can step up and fill those power vacuums Mm -hmm. that happens in media movies Hmm. music all over the place and it was happening in politics too the only vision that the zuckerbergs and steve huffman's and Jack Dorsey's and all these kind of nerdy young men. Steve have. Hoffman is the Reddit founder. The Reddit founder. And you could go back to, you know, Blogger and MySpace. All these very smart, innovative young men, they were smart about coding. They weren't necessarily political visionaries at all. They wouldn't have even claimed to be. And their only vision was topple hierarchies, disrupt, innovate. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a vision of what was going to happen after that. It just was self-evident to them that, you know, we got to tear down the existing structures and probably it will redound to the benefit of our companies. I signed up for MCI. I don't even think it exists anymore yeah. because they had an image of Lenin's uh, <laughs> statue being toppled into the crowd. There you go. Why MCI, my long-distance <laughs> service, had anything to do with that? But, you know, yes. I was 20-whatever, and I, like everyone else, I just I wanted to see the old OK Boomers toppled. Yeah, right? it's good branding. It's yes. good, And, you know, the Apple commercial of, you know, throwing the javelin at Big Brother and all yeah. these things, it was, it, it, it was seen as this transgressive, insurgent thing, even mm-hmm. though, of course, it was corporate capitalism like all the rest of it. Yeah. That was our preview. Aren't you compelled to hear more? You can. Just sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash Trumpcast Plus. 
to listen to the full episode and get all our podcasts without ads. That's slate.com slash Trumpcast plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.